Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Today, I'm joined by Erica Frank, one of my colleagues at Shaw Law Group. Hi, Erica. How are you today? Hi, Jen. I'm doing great. Thank you. So today, we're going to discuss an important topic for employers, equal employment opportunity compliance training better known as sexual harassment training, which always makes me think, no, we are not going to teach you how to do it. Exactly. We're going to teach you how to not do it or to report if you see it. And what's really important and a reminder to all employers um, is we are in a new training year. It's 2022. So all of us, for many, for many of us, We have to remember to train our employees and supervisors again. But one of the things, Jen, that we really wanted to talk about is really the importance of this training and to not view it as a check the box, but rather view it as employment development and ensuring that your culture at the workplace, whether it's in someone's dining room table or back at the office, really instills these key concepts. That is so important, Erica, and it's one of the reasons why we have, as one of our major practice areas, training. A lot of law firms do training as a lost leader, right, to bring in other work. Training is the work we want, right? You know, we want to educate employers and employees about how people should be treated at work, what does respect and professionalism mean, why do you need to have equal employment opportunity policies that set a standard that is higher than the law. This, of course, has been a requirement in California since 2006. Many other states also have a similar requirement. And California even requires you to train non-supervisors these days. That was a more recent development. So the bottom line is you're supposed to do this training every two years. It's got to be interactive, which means if you sit your employees down with some boring online training that hasn't been updated, and there are good online programs out there, don't get me wrong, but you've got to make a good choice about what works for your organization. And the interesting thing to me about this, Erica, is if you know your employees, if you know your culture, if you know what's going on, you will pick the right vendor, right? You've got to have a connection. It's not something where you tell someone, go find the cheapest harassment prevention training you can find and let's book everyone. It doesn't have to be super expensive. I mean, ours certainly isn't. But the idea is You've got to have a group that can tailor the materials for your workplace so that they're dealing with scenarios that your employees are dealing with. If they work in a call center or they are in customer service at a bank or they work at a retail store, they're going to have a lot different um, experience potentially than someone who works at a golf course or someone who works um, for an exotic dance company, right? You know, you've got to think about who are your employees and that's why this off the shelf sort of generic training can actually do more harm than good. And I think it's really important because you as the employer or whomever is responsible for your compliance officer, whoever's responsible for ensuring the training's done, you have to know what your workplace needs are and what your what your goal is with the training. And like I said, it's more than just checking the box. 
And as Jennifer mentioned, what's really important as well is there's other concepts that we should be talking about when we talk about harassment prevention. Concepts that may not be necessarily listed in the law. So for example, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's absolutely part of your workplace culture and part of harassment prevention. And the thing that's interesting is DEI initiatives sort of spiked, right? The interest in them spiked. And I'm worried it's waning. And I hope I'm wrong because DEI is critical. And I would even add a fourth letter that won't make any sense, but B for belonging, right? You know, when we look at DEIB, right? Um, this, this idea of what do you do to engage with your employees? What do you do to coach your employees? What do you do to mentor your employees? This isn't just sexual harassment prevention. It's about who you are, what you stand for, what's your mission, what are your values? And some people, you know, I, I get in sort of lofty philosophical discussions about, well, does this training really work? And I can tell you anecdotally, our, our clients tell us all the time, look, after we did that training, yeah, there was a spike in complaints because that's what it does. And this is good news. Mm -hmm. Let's flesh out what the issues are and then let's figure out how we're going to solve them. In the end, our clients are constantly reporting to us. We now have fewer complaints. Our turnover is much less. Our employee satisfaction and engagement numbers are higher. So I think organizations who are really cutting edge in this area, don't think of this as just a training requirement. EEO compliance equal employment opportunity, right? Preventing discrimination, harassment, retaliation, encouraging respect and professionalism and diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging. That's all about culture. It's much bigger than a training plan that you have someone implement on a biannual basis. And I think if you can look at it from that perspective and you're willing to make the investment, you save millions of dollars, right? Collectively as a society in litigating these cases. If we just do this right, then nobody has anything to sue about right now. I understand some people are gonna say, well, people make things up and people don't always tell the truth. Okay, but you know what? I don't really see that very often. What, what I see is people who say, wow, you know, I know I was at a wedding with my boss. I know it wasn't the workplace, but my boss shouldn't have come on to me. My boss shouldn't have made a sexual comment, right? That boss forgot that it's not where you are, but it's who you are with. When you're with someone from the workplace, you're at work. And I know this is controversial and I know people don't like it and I don't care because the bottom line is that's how you prevent these issues. Now, do we all take risks? You bet. Sometimes those risks pan out and sometimes they don't. I think it's really important for us to discuss and you've you've paved the way so eloquently when you said it's not where we are, it's who we're with, right? Yes. Um, because we have something new that has been an offshoot from the pandemic, and that has to do with Zoom meetings, team meetings, virtual communication, and it has opened up a whole new uh, workplace etiquette, right? You know, what does your background look like? 
Should you be wearing the proper attire? Is it appropriate for you to be sitting in your bed during a meeting? That's a big issue. It's um, a huge issue. You know, what? who's behind you when they walk through? And we've all, you know, there was a news story here. I don't know, it was right at the beginning about a newscaster who was uh, filming her segment in her bathroom. And I think she was talking about how to zoomify your face, if that's even a word. And her husband was in the shower and everybody saw the husband in the shower. I mean, how mortifying, right? And of course that was not intentional, but no one seemed to realize that the mirrors and the way they were positioned offered everybody a show. So these are the kind of things that we have to really take into consideration and really weave into our, our, our programs. That's right. And it's interesting because a lot of employers, I think, thought, oh, well, with a hybrid workplace, we'll have fewer complaints. They have more. Yes. We've never been busier in terms of our investigations practice yes. or our training practice, because what's happening is people forget where they are, right? Yes. They forget. They think, oh, I'm at home. I'm not in the office. You know, we all sort of have a little bit of a different demeanor, most of us, when we're in the office as opposed to, to being at home. And I think a lot of people try to turn this into political correctness or, well, how come you're right and I'm wrong and what's going on here? But there's just a base expectation in the workplace. You're respectful, you're professional. It doesn't mean you have to like everyone. It doesn't mean you have to go out of your way to say hello to everyone, but you have to engage in respectful discourse. You have to collaborate. You have to work as a team. If that's expected of you, it doesn't mean you have to agree with each other's politics or viewpoints or perspectives about COVID-19 vaccine mandates, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why this training has got to be tailored is the times change so quickly. Mm -hmm. In the last year, we had an EEO training that was more focused on Black Lives Matter issues. Then it was focused more on COVID-19 reasonable accommodation, religious um, exemption requirements. Like we've got all these things that come up that need to be incorporated in the programs. And a lot of folks just want to use, the, you know, the program that came out in 2010. Well, it's just not going to work. Well, it won't work for a number of reasons, right? 2010 is quite some time ago and the legal obligations have changed, which is another reason why everybody has to make sure that whomever they're using, if they're using a third party, has a good reputation, is known to offer compliant training. And of course, that's something that you're going to hear us talk about all of the time about the importance of knowing who you're utilizing. Um, but as you mentioned, our training reflecting Black Lives Matter, it, it dovetails back to diversity, equity, and inclusion and how important that is. And again, I know you're going to all hear me harp back onto this remote life and this hybrid life. It's hard. Yes, it it allows for flexibility, but it means that we have to be much more proactive at including others. The, the whole part of the training is to remind us all to be inclusive and to belong to Jen's point. That's so right, Erica. And, you know, training is my passion, so it's easy for me to say this. But when you are able to connect with your team, with your employees, and you're able to give them a message that is so powerful and so rooted in fairness and equity and giving people access. I mean, I'll never forget, I've told this story so many times, but 
when I was a little girl, my mom was a single mom and she worked for a car dealership. And one day she came home and said, well, honey, we may have to move because I'm going to be fired tomorrow. And I said, why are we, why do we have to move? Why are you going to be fired? And she said, because I won't be the boss's girlfriend. And I said to her, we should call the police. That's all I could think of, right? As a little girl, I thought, well, we should call the police. And she said, sweetheart, the police won't get involved in this. I just need to go find a new job. Sure as heck, she was fired the next day. And that company called me about 10 years ago, not knowing who I was to ask us to represent them. And you can imagine I, I had a few um, choice words for them and they are not our client. So the bottom line of it is this stuff is real. It's real how people are treated. It's real how people can be ignored, sometimes even unconsciously, right? That's what unconscious bias is all about. So to wrap this up, Erica, it's not just a training requirement. It's a culture requirement, right? Yes, 100%. Well, thank you all for joining us today on Workplace Wake Up. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, or email us at info at shawlawgroup.com. Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.